Welcome back to another edition of listener-supported KPBS Cinema Junkie podcast. I'm Beth Accomando. Okay, classic film zealots, it's that time of year to make the pilgrimage to the mecca known as the TCM Film Festival. The festival runs April 6th through the 9th in Los Angeles. As a cable network, Turner Classic Movies, better known as TCM, has won a devout following of cinephiles that counts Martin Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino among its fans. But eight years ago, the network decided to expand the classic film experience to an actual film festival. The festival centered around classic and mostly American films. Each year, festival organizers led by Charles Tabish pick a theme of focus, and this year, it's Make Them Laugh. Do you remember jokes and take pleasure in relating them to others? Now, you don't do that, do you, Harold? No, absolutely no. Make them laugh. Don't you know everyone wants to laugh? My grandpa said go out and tell them a joke. But give it plenty of hope. Make them roar. Make them scream. Take a fall, but a wall split a scene. Start off by pretending you're a dancer with grace. You wiggle till the giggle is all over the place. And then you get a great because they're crying in the face. Make them laugh, make them laugh, make them laugh. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Oh, uh, allow me to introduce Nurse Diesel, my right hand man, woman. I'm the Weenie King, invented the Texas Weenie. Lay off him, you live longer. If I were asleep, and you were my alarm clock. How would you wake me up in the morning? I wouldn't. I'm no ding-a-ling. Who am I? I'm the captain. You want to choose upside? I'll tell you what we do, Captain. I'll bring my bodies down from the attic, and you get yours up from the cellar, and we'll get them all together, and we'll send them to Happydale. I'm not saying we wouldn't get our hair mussed, but I do say no more than 10 to 20 million kill tops, uh, depending on the breaks. <laughs> Here's to the world's greatest living conductor. This is hardly what I came to see you about, Mr. The way you handle handles, Sir Alfred. For me, there's nobody handles handle like you handle handle. Did you put the pellet with the poison in the vessel with the pestle? No! The pellet with the poison is in the flagon with the dragon. The vessel with the pestle has the brew that is true. The pellet with the poison is in the flagon with the dragon. The vessel with the pestle has the brew that is true. Just remember that. Yes, thank you very much. What are you doing? You're being wired for sound, dearie. What? Now, Miss Lamont, watch out for those dentalized D's and T's and those flat A's. Oh, everybody's picking on me. Monsieur For this podcast, I get to geek out with Tavish about all the difficult choices an attendee of the TCM Film Festival must face when trying to decide which of 80 films to view at five different venues. As someone who's been attending for three years, I can confirm that it's pure agony to have to choose between films you love and films you've never seen before. But every single film is a transcendent experience because TCM takes care to present each in the most pristine quality possible, sometimes even striking brand new 35mm prints specifically for its festival. Since the TCM Film Festival is still relatively young at eight years old, I began my interview with Tabish by asking him to explain what makes his festival different from others. Well, I think there are a couple things that make it different than what's out there. One, obviously, it focuses on 
on older films. So the, most of the prominent film festivals in the country and around the world are devoted to new films and, and uh, new releases and hot directors and hot actors and, and almost the business of Hollywood or of filmmaking. And we are devoted to uh, the history of Hollywood uh, and beyond, unlike, um, you know, the, the major festivals like Cannes and Toronto and Telluride, um, were, were classic movies. And, and there are a couple of other classic movie film festivals out there and, and that are very, very good. Um, but I think we were different from those in that we are a little bit bigger and broader. A lot of those are really tailored towards hardcore people. You know, you've got an incredible festival at the George Eastman House every, every year devoted to nitrate screenings. You've got Cinecon, which is, you know, just a great, really festival for hardcore film fans who really want to see the most obscure films. We try to, to be a little bit broader and show big Hollywood classics as well as more obscure films and, and have uh, five screenings going at the same time. So you'll really have a lot to choose from at any given time. And I think it's, it's rather unique because it's really about movie, movie history in a way that, that nobody else does it. Yeah, five screenings at one time, it's choice, but it's also agonizing at times because there's too much to choose from. I know. I know. I know. Every year it's fun to, to hear people complain because I think it's all good-natured, and I think that they um, uh, are genuinely torn sometimes about what to go see, but they understand that, you know, if you're going to have a, a lot of films, you're going to have to make some choices. And, and so um, it's sort of fun for me to, to watch that play out. <laughs> Hard choices, yes. Another thing about the festival that I think uh, stands it apart from others is you guys really have a commitment to trying to get the best possible prints for a lot of these. And I had the opportunity to see some really gorgeous 35-millimeter prints that were struck specifically for your festival. That seems kind of rare. We are lucky. I mean, we have, you know, a budget to sometimes uh, to create new prints. Uh, we have a great partnership with PhotoCam, and they help us with both prints and DCPs, and, and they're a wonderful sponsor for us. Uh, we work very closely with the studios and with all the major archives to try to get the best prints that we can. So there are times when the only choice is a vintage print, you know, because that's, that's all that exists, and, and the elements aren't there to create something new. But 99% of the time, you'll see the very best that's best possible, and and it, yeah, we—that's very, very important to us. Because I know there's a, there are a whole group of people who are very much film purists who want to see film on film projected in theaters. And sometimes the problem you run into is that theaters will be running magenta colored prints or you know really old ones that are scratched up, and and it's harder to to maintain that commitment to wanting to see those 35 prints when they're in that kind of condition. But I've seen a few at your venue where you are reminded of just like how beautiful a pristine like black and white print can be projected on a big screen. I agree. And I I understand and respect people that really only want to see film. And and certainly that's um, you can do that if you're if you're come to our film festival and you just want to see film. But the reality of now, the restoration work that's being done today, a lot of it's digital, and in fact, almost all of it's digital. So uh, you need to get the best version, sometimes that's a digital version, 
but when we when it, we're able to get an you know an amazing print and um, and we can play it, uh, we're, we're we love doing that. We do think it's important. We need to have film as part of the festival, you know, 35 millimeter. And then this year we have added nitrate to this festival too. So we're super excited about that. Yeah, tell me about that edition. Well, we have a partnership uh, with the Film Foundation, Martin Scorsese's. Uh, organization devoted to film uh, restoration and preservation, and they called us a couple of years ago to see if we would partner with them on uh, building out a nitrate screening room at the Egyptian, and we were able to to work with them on that, and it took about a year for it to be built, but but it was just finished late last year, and uh, so this year we have the ability to screen nitrate prints, and it's a little more complicated than that because we then have to get access to those prints, and they're, you know, they're, they're special and unique, and the archives that hold them really want to make sure that they're taken care of properly and that they don't abuse them in any way or we don't abuse them in any way. So uh, we've worked with various archives to get access to some, some key titles, and in partner with the film, partnership with the Film Foundation, we are showing four different prints, one each night uh, throughout the Festival of the Egyptian. And why did you feel that this was an important thing to add? I mean, for people who may not be familiar with what that means to have a nitrate print, explain why that was an important kind of goal for you to, to do to add this year? Well, I think for film, I want to say fanatics maybe, but for you know hardcore film fans, nitrate is something uh, a little bit that's been elusive to a lot of them because nitrate was the you know, primary way of exhibiting film in in the uh, up and through into the into the 40s, I think it's known for just the, the 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 quality of the picture, the way that the light projects from the screen is unique and 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 quite beautiful. But because nitrate film is also very unsafe, um, easily flammable, uh, and there were there were several accidents and fires because of nitrate film. The industry had to change and, and evolve and, and not use nitrate anymore. So while nitrate prints exist, they're closely guarded. You, there are a lot of laws about how they can be stored and projected, and, and, and they're very strict laws. And so as a consequence, the people who know a little bit about film history uh, might be intrigued and want to see a nitrate film, but there really are very few opportunities. There are a couple. I mean, in L.A., UCLA does a, um, a festival where they will sometimes project nitrate, and as I mentioned, the Eastman House uh, does an annual festival devoted to nitrate screenings. But it's, you know, it's rare, and especially if you're coming from, you know, not a, a big city, it's, it's very hard to ever see a nitrate film. And one of the exciting things about that is you also have an evening of, I believe it's called Frozen Time, uh, where it's not a complete single film, but it's a discovery that was made. Tell me what that program is going to be like. Yeah, so it's actually it's a documentary. It's about a, by a film historian named Bill Morrison. And in the 70s, there was a, just a treasure trove of old film, nitrate, 35 millimeter but um, different film that was discovered underneath, uh, in you know, underground in Canada. And it had been there for many years. A lot of things had come and gone. I think there was a hockey rink at one point over that, and, and or maybe a swimming pool over that ground at some point. But very deep beneath was some old film footage that had never been seen since it first came out uh, back in the 20s. 
the, the film footage that he found was, or that they found, was pretty incredible. A lot of, you know, really interesting outtakes from movies, movie stars, uh, lost scenes, that sort of stuff. And, and he put it together in a really compelling, unique, interesting way with, with fantastic music and a lot of the clips from these various films that were discovered. And it's just a fascinating documentary. And I think for anyone who really is interested in, in kind of uh, film history um, in, a, in sort of a deeper way, we'll really appreciate it. It was funny when I was reading the description of that, I had a moment where I was wondering if it was fake or real because there was that great Peter Jackson film, Forgotten Silver, that was this like fake documentary about finding all this missing footage. And so that yeah, kind of... yeah, no, it's a reasonable thing to sort of guess. And there are there are various mockumentaries out there that are kind of do that. There was another one, too, um, that I, I called Love Among the Ruins about um a film discovered in Italy, too, that came out a couple of years ago. But, yeah, no, this is real, <laughs> and it's quite good. The theme for this year's festival is comedy, make them laugh. What made you decide for this particular theme this year, and, and what's kind of... Because you break it down into kind of uh, sidebars of comedy or different tracks of comedy for the festival. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, to be honest, there's no really, you know, usually uh, genius rhyme or reason behind the theme. It's just kind of what we think might be fun or interesting. So it's not a subject that we had done before. Uh, we thought it was time to do it, and we thought it would be, a, a, you know, a good year. And there are different kind of... It's, it's, it's actually been a little bit challenging to program for a couple of reasons. One, because there's just certain movies you don't want to leave out. There are certain directors you don't want to leave out. At the same time, there's no way you can play every comedy or get, you know, every great comedian included or comic actor. So that's been difficult. And, you know, we we can't only be comedy. There are people that don't always want comedies. There are new restorations that are that are not comedies. There are in their key anniversaries that, that, you know, of non-comedic films. There are stars that we want to pay tribute to that didn't just make comedy. So there are things like that that make it, you know, a little bit challenging, but, but within that, I wanted to make sure we, we had a good representation of various types of comedies, screwball comedies, romantic comedies, uh, slapstick, anarchic. So, you know, you'll definitely see the Marx Brothers, the Three Stooges as part of, uh, you know, a short is playing before a film. One of Chaplin will have, you know, Abram Zucker and Zucker are coming to host Top Secret, one of my, my what I think is just one of the funniest movies ever. I'm afraid you leave me no alternative but to introduce you to two of my associates. Bruno is almost blind, has to operate wholly by touch. Klaus is a moron who knows only what he reads in the New York Post. I believe they never let a man lose consciousness, however long they may work upon him. You don't scare me. My manager is on his way right now to the American consulate. Do not be so sure, Mr. Rivers. Evidently, your friend did not realize that here in East Germany we used 220-volt current. He was found in his hotel room, impaled upon a large electrical device. Our surgeons did what they could, but it took them two hours just to get the smile off his face. So uh, there are plenty of comedies, and then there are plenty kind of little sub-theme comedic themes. Like, uh, I've always loved the movies about couples that decide to get divorced and then change their mind. And so there's a a collection of four or five divorce remorse movies sprinkled throughout. There can't be any doubt in marriage. The whole thing's built on faith. If you've lost that, well, you've lost everything. Yes, I suppose when that's gone, the marriage is washed up, isn't it? 
Do you mean that? Huh? All right, then, that settles it. Well, I guess it does. I wouldn't go on living with you if you were dipped in platinum. So go on, divorce me. Go on, divorce me. It'll be a pleasure. Divorce you? Are you crazy? Do you think I dragged that music lover into court to show people the man you preferred to me? All right, oh. then, I'll divorce you. I believe it's customary anyhow for the wife to bring suit. It has something to do with the husband being a gentleman, if you know what I oh, mean. Oh, never mind that stuff. Just get on with the divorce proceedings. I can hardly uh, wait. I'll call up our lawyer right now. All right, here. If you don't mind my using him, I don't know anyone else. You get around so much more than I do. That's so. Um, there are some dark comedies as, as part of the theme uh, films like Dr. Strangelove and Harold and Maude. What is your name? Harold. Harold Chasen. Oh, how do you do? I'm Dame Marjorie Chardin, but you may call me Maude. How do you do? Nice to meet you. Well, thank you. I think we're going to be great friends, don't you? Can I give you a lift, Harold? No. Thank you. I have my own car. Well, I must be off. We shall have to meet again. Ah, tell me, do you dance? Pardon me? Do you sing and dance? Uh, no. Uh, no. I thought not. There are films that feature comedians in, in non-comic roles, so like Richard Pryor and Lady Sings the Blues. Hey, baby, you know the same. Yeah, I know how to sing, but he wants to dance. You ain't got nothing to do. You gotta try to think of a song. Oh, I can sing anything, shoot. All right, well, tell me something. What you know? But he doesn't like me. Well, that ain't got nothing to do. I can handle him. What can you sing? Yeah, I can sing all of me. Hey, Jerry, I'm sorry, bro. Just gone. All of me, man. You ain't never heard this like this. All Church, me. take it home. That's a friend of mine, man. I didn't. You're gonna love it, Jerry. You're a good person in your heart. You know you're gonna love it. I, okay, o okay. L let us sing, sing. Or uh, Jackie Gleason in Requiem for a Heavyweight, or Bob Newhart in Hell's for Heroes, uh, and a couple more. Yeah, we always try to have kind of sub themes, sort of, you know, floating throughout, while still providing enough diversity for people that might not want to dive into that theme to to be able to to have other options. And you also have movie spoofs, so you have Hollywood spoofing itself, which is always entertaining. Yeah. Yes, movie spoofs and uh, and Mel Brooks is coming with high anxiety and um, uh, as part of that, uh, which I think is you know that'll be a great event. Another thing I'm really excited about is Best in Show, which um, is such a you know funny movie, and so a lot of the cast members are coming to help introduce that as well. She has really given him a thorough going over. Are all judges that thorough? I mean, yes, she looks yes. at the teeth. It's very important that all the attributes are examined. Uh, teeth, eyes, Runs ears, gums. Am I seeing right? Where's she putting her hands now? Uh, she's just checking out the dog's uh, testicular area oh. to make sure <laughs> to make sure that uh, that everything is intact. Hate to go out on a date with Judge uh, Edie Franklin, have her judge me. That'd be no fun. The TCM Festival does make an effort to have introductions for all of the films and bring people there. Do you find that kind of the TCM brand and the way it attracts real movie lovers is helping you to get like a lot of these people to come and present their films where they might not be as eager to do that at other venues? Uh, yeah, I, I do think so. First of all, I think you're right that that's a very important part of the TCM brand is to provide that context and, and curation. And so if it's not somebody that was in the film or maybe a relative of somebody that was in the film or that made the film, we'll have a, an expert host to, to provide a little history. We've always done that on the channel. And when we first launched the festival, we thought that was really important. And I do think you know, our reputation has helped us to get people to want to participate. 
and and so I you know I, I I would imagine that that helps maybe sway some people that that wouldn't be less inclined to do these sorts of of public events. I don't know. I think so. In having attended the festival for a number of years now, it's not just the celebrities that make for good programming in terms of the presentations, the introductions, but I've gone a couple of times to the ones that, and I forgot the other guy's name, but Ben Burt and is Craig Barron and Ben Burt. Yes, and they're they're not big Hollywood celebrities, but they have had the best programs. <laughs> I remember the Adventures of Robin Hood, them, you know, explaining how they got the sound effect for the arrow, and that was so fascinating. They are fantastic. We love them. We now bring them, you know, every year that that they're willing and that they're willing to come. And so far, we've been lucky that since their first one, I think four or five years ago, they've been willing to come back. The Academy actually uh, had started a program called Academy Conversations, and and, and they're the ones uh, that told us about Craig and Ben, and and we we decided to follow up on that suggestion, and they and they came in and they do just they do a really great extended presentation behind the special effects for for several films, and they do you know they're they're entertaining and thorough and interesting, and uh, this year they're doing a special presentation on it. it's a mad 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 world at the Cinerama Dome. So um, yeah, I think that'll be really awesome. That sounds great. You also program a few midnight movies, and this year you have a crazy good choice of Zardoz <laughs> as one of them. <laughs> what goes into the midnight programming? Well, we we have a franchise on, on TCM called TCM Underground, where we play kind of cult movies and, you know, obscure, weird, you know, movies that, that kind of have a following, and the person that programs that for us is Millie DeChirico, and so I I went to her and I said, Millie, you know what what is it that we really should play at midnight? Um, that you think? And she was adamant right away. She said, Zardoz, you have to play Zardoz. Zardoz, Zardoz speaks to you. His chosen ones. The gun is good. So I said okay, and uh, and luckily Fox is uh, uh, allowing us to access their DCP, and we're we're, we're playing Zardoz at midnight. And the other midnight movie is um, the Kentucky Fried movie, and we we've got um, Jim Abrams uh, and Jerry and David Zucker coming along with uh, John Landis to help. Uh, they'll the Abrams Zucker and Zucker team will be doing Top Secret followed by. Kentucky Fried Movie, which will be at midnight, and Lance John Linus, who was the director, will join them for that. And that's just one of those cult comedies from the '70s that was just, you know, super wacky and hilarious. The midnight movies are really great fun because they usually are a bit of a change from what you're seeing during the day. And after seeing like four movies during the day, you're usually a little like bleary, and it usually is a little <laughs> bit of a surreal kind of experience. <laughs> Like yeah. a, a bit prone to hallucination at that time, and Zardoz uh, will be perfect. <laughs> yes, that's right. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, well, I think I think this year I'm, I I I can't sit through. The, I, by that time, I'm so exhausted. 
So I think usually I'll make it to the opening of the midnight movie, and then at you know twelve ten I have to go to bed. Um, so I don't know if I'm going to make it through either of them this year, but I will try. Well, if it helps, I'm planning to make some Zardoz cookies of Sean Connery. <laughs> that's, so that's great. You can. Uh, that, that's the thing that I like to do. I make themed desserts to go with movies, and when I saw that, uh, there's a cookie recipe actually for Zardoz cookies. So <laughs> that's so great. I couldn't resist. <laughs> okay. There also this year, uh, there's a number of films which, whether it was planned this way or not, kind of fall into a group of films that seem very appropriate as we are going through the new Trump administration. And it seems like artists are very kind of energized to find art that kind of helps them express their opinions and, and coping with things. And you're going to a group of older films that that have a resonance now that might be a little different than when they initially came out. But there are films like America, which is about immigration, The Great Dictator with the the great Charlie Chaplin, Casablanca, which I just did an interview with Noah Eisenberg, who just wrote a book about it. And he talked about that as being a refugee film and Cry the Beloved Country, which is about apartheid. And these films, whether you program them to be this way or not, do tend to have like an interesting resonance right now. Yeah. So... Some of those that you mentioned were actually explicitly or intentionally programmed because of the current climate. One of those, America, America, which, you know, I, I definitely thought it was, it's, a, it's a great movie. And, and, you know, given the immigration the discussion or, or, or actions that are taking place, I thought it would be appropriate to play. And then The Great Dictator was certainly something that... Um, you know, it came to mind. I mean, obviously, it's comedy and playing Chaplin, so it sort of made sense anyway. In this world, there's room for everyone, and the good earth is rich and can provide for everyone. The way of life can be free and beautiful, but we have lost the way. Greed has poisoned men's souls, has barricaded the world with hate, has goose-stepped us into misery and bloodshed. We have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. Our knowledge has made us cynical, our cleverness hard and unkind. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. More than cleverness, we need kindness and gentleness. Without these qualities, life will be violent and all will be lost. The aeroplane and the radio have brought us closer together. The very nature of these inventions cries out for the goodness in men, cries out for universal brotherhood, for the unity of us all. Even now, my voice is reaching millions throughout the world. Millions of despairing men, women, and little children, victims of a system that makes men torture and imprison innocent people. To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. I did not make the connection with Casablanca, but I think you're right. That is, it is resonant. It's the 75th anniversary, so that was the, the rationale for it being there. So there are, yeah, I mean, there are definitely times or, or films or, or quite a beloved country, too, was, intent, was intentional, thinking it would be a, a good time to play it. Um, sometimes, you know, you, 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 you do that because you just you, you think that that's kind of, out there in our in our current environment, and this is the important film for people to see, or there might be interest in it. And sometimes you, I guess, get lucky, or or you know, you connect in a way unintentionally. But I agree. You know, classic movies 
are, you know, one of the things that makes them great is that uh, if they're if they're really good, I mean, the themes are resonant for, forever, and um, just like any art, and so um, it certainly applies to classic films, and and I I hope people get something from that. And then also you have Doctor Strangelove, which every time I see that film, I can't believe how little it's dated. It feels like very fresh and it feels as pointed today in its satire as it did when it came out more than, what, 50 years ago? Yes. Oh, I agree. Um, And it's an important movie and it's certainly, uh, it plays really well today. And it is, you know, it's always relevant, but it's it's especially relevant now. You know how we've always talked about the possibility of something going wrong with the bomb. The bomb, Dimitri. The hydrogen bomb. A lot of these titles are, are titles that everybody is familiar with. You mentioned Casablanca's having an anniversary. These are films that people know about. But I wanted to highlight just a couple of films that are probably your hardcore TCM people are excited about, but maybe in the broader kind of mainstream might not be. But you have some really interesting little films. Like you have a film with Lucille Ball called called Lord, which I haven't had a chance to see, so I'm thrilled to be able to see this. But most people are familiar with her as this television comedian and might not be aware of some of the work she did in film, feature films. Yeah, so that's actually an example of one of the one of the threads I was talking about earlier of, of uh, comedic actors, but in non-comic roles, because she was a you know she was a serious actress and, and as well as a comedian, and this was one of her one of her roles, and it's a really good um, movie directed by Douglas Sirk early in his career. And so we're really excited to be playing a, um, a recent restoration done by Cohen Media. And, and so we, we always try, and I think, you know, as I was saying earlier, you know, we definitely try to have a range so that, you know, if you're in the mood for something familiar, you can go see something familiar and on a big screen. But if you want to want to discover something new, that you, there are plenty of options for that as well. And another film that I haven't seen in ages, but I remember being hilarious, was a British comedy, I'm All Right, Jack. And those films don't play quite as often. No, that's a, it's great. And, I was in a, so, um, and, and just, you know, uh, so many of the things that we play just come from suggestions. We get suggestions from everywhere all the time. And so I'm All Right, Jack was suggested by um, uh, Rialto, one of those distributors we work with, and we played it on TCM a couple of times. It's very funny. And I realized that I didn't have any British comedies this year, and at that point I thought, well, this would be a perfect film to play. So it's great, and I'm I'm really excited to be playing that. And there are also, I should mention, a couple of films that Leonard Moulton was really passionate about and and wanted us to play, Uh, one being The Magic Box and the other one Street Scene. You know, he he sent, he every year he sends a list of maybe ten to twelve kind of films that he doesn't think get enough attention, and we usually try to include one or two. And those are a couple of examples there. And if I'm not mistaken, Magic Box is kind of a film about film, isn't it? Yes, it's about the early days. Early of, days of yeah. Which is another film that I haven't had a chance to see, so I'm very excited about Good. having Good. that opportunity. And although the majority of these films are English language films. I believe Panique is a, in French, a, a French film that, and again, a film that probably is not as well known. Yeah, exactly. It's a it's a it's a crime. It's a noir. It's a a, a French film that um, it, uh, I haven't seen in years. We um, I, and I 
I remember trying to get it for TCM maybe 15 years ago, and I wasn't able to, to either find the rights or, or a copy of it. Rialto, again, told me they had a new restoration and, and wanted to know if we'd be interested in playing it. And I said, yes, absolutely. So uh, it's great, and, and um, um, I, I think that'll be a, a really interesting screening. And has the festival expanded in any way since the beginning? Are you at more venues, the same number of venues? Are you accommodating a lot more people, or has it changed that much in that respect? A little bit. Um, we, when we the first year, we had one fewer theater, one of the, one less of the multiplex um, theaters. So, um, since then, we added another multiplex. Um, so we always have five screens going, and then at various times, we've added. We, for example, we were we're now have screenings occasionally at the Cinerama Dome. We have screenings by the pool. We didn't have either of those originally. Um, it, Different times in different years, we've been able, been able to do a screening at the El Capitan, although not this year. Um, so we're always on lookout for different in ways to project or you know play the films, um, and we have expanded some. Um, but you know the, the fundamental, hopefully, intimacy is uh, um, remains, and there's still the the gathering and the sense of community that we, especially the Roosevelt hotel and at club TCM that we want to maintain. So, um, it's expanded a little bit, but I, I don't think we, you know, there are any plans to, um, do, do a whole lot more. Um, but every year we try to add a wrinkle or two here or there. And is there anything else you'd like to highlight about the festival in advance before, uh, we wrap up here? Uh, well, nothing specific, I don't think. I mean, uh, well, I guess the one thing I want to mention is that Carl and Rob Reiner are coming in for the very first time. There will be father and son doing handprints and footprints at Grams Chinese. And so um, I think that will be very special. And then we've got Rob Reiner with the screening of The Princess Bride and Carl Reiner with The Jerk. So, uh, I, you know, I think that's a really special event. And then for our conversation uh, at the Montalban Theater, Michael Douglas is coming and, and he'll be also introducing or, or helping uh, uh, coming out of the, a screening of the China Syndrome, doing a conversation about that. So uh, I'll, I'll mention those. I mean, there are, you know, there are a hundred different events, including the presentations at Club TCM and over 80 films. So I don't I'm, know I'm li- leaving out a lot of good stuff, but, um, but as you can tell, it's, you know, there's a lot there. Yeah, see, leaving out a lot of good stuff is part of what the dilemma of going to the TCM Film Festival <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, I didn't even mention Pennant Peter Bogdanovich coming and we're paying tribute to him, and Lee Grant, we're paying tribute uh-huh. to her, and uh, and then a special um, tribute to Debbie Reynolds and, and Terry Fisher, and of course, the entire festival is devoted to Robert Osborne, and uh, that's the most important thing of all that I should have mentioned right up front, because... As you know, he's the heart and soul of TCM, and so uh, it's very sad for all of us. And we're we're dedicating everything to him this year, and and doing what we can to honor him in various ways. Well, I want to thank you very much, and I'm looking forward to the festival yet again, and to those painful decisions of what to watch. Well, good, thanks, Beth. I look forward to seeing you there and uh, hearing more about the agony you you <laughs> you've had making the decision. All right, thank you. All right, thanks a lot.
That was Charles Tabish, Senior Vice President of Programming and Production at Turner Classic Movies and at the new streaming service, Filmstruck. If you love classic cinema, TCM Film Festival is something you need to experience. I'll be at the festival this weekend, and we'll have an NPR report on what went into creating the nitrate projection booth and how dangerous projecting nitrate really is. I'll also have a follow-up from the TCM Film Festival focusing on the 75th anniversary screening of Casablanca. And next week, I speak with Stuart Gordon about reviving his adaptation of Kurt Vonnegut's Sirens of Titan at Sacred Fools Theatre. And finally, a reminder that Cinema Junkie is a proud sponsor of Landmark Theatre's Midnight Movies at the Ken Cinema in San Diego. So, till our next film fix, I'm Beth Accomando, your resident Cinema Junkie. 